0: Welcome to the Crater Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss all the JavaScript news that's happened on Crater.io this week. This episode is for Friday, December 9th, 2016. This episode is brought to you by Modulus.io. They're an easy way to deploy your application no matter the language or framework that you're using. They are great for deploying JavaScript applications using technologies such as Node.js, Meteor.js, Feathers.js, and many other frameworks. They recently updated their build process for Meteor to include uploading the code to a build server. They use a Docker component to create the build and output a consistent application that gets sent to the servos making it more reliable and easier for you to deploy your Meteor application. Check them out, Modulus.io. Welcome, Crater fans, I'm your host, Josh Owens. Today, we have a special edition and I have two uh, guest hosts with me, Dean Radcliffe. Welcome, Dean. Hey,
1: good to be back, Josh.
0: And uh, Chris Pena. Yeah, how's it going, y'all? Yeah. So you, you have a YouTube channel, right, Chris?
2: Yeah, it's called uh, Dev Coffee.
0: If you're listening to this, uh, we'll put the link in the show notes. But if you're watching this, then down below, is there's going to be a link to that. But, yeah, you reached out to me and just said like, hey, I want to come on the podcast and do something. And like, I wanted to do something yeah. today. And Dean actually, like, I just hit him up at the last minute and said, hey, I want to be on it too. Because I told him we we're going to talk about like the direction that Meteor is heading and and how things are going. And he had just... Listen to the episode where we talked about Aaron Oda's goodbye post, and then I said some things, and then he he wrote a blog post in response to that. And like Abby, I wish Abby were around, but yeah, uh, he's busy today uh, because he also wrote a relevant post. So rather than just talking about specific news posts, I thought we'd talk about like where things are headed with Meteor, and like I don't know, I've had this a lot of thoughts brewing in my head recently with everything that's being said and, you know, things that are being said in the forums, I'm increasingly, I guess, turned off to Meteor. And I think clients are as well from what I can tell. I've had my last couple clients asking like, what should they be looking at? Like what, what's the right solution for them? And, you know, I've been working for foot cardigan and we have a site ready to launch Mm -hmm. And, you know, that we had the same conversation like a week ago. Should we scrap the whole thing and just start over? And uh, my thoughts are like, the business benefits, it doesn't make sense to scrap it and start over. I think I'm of the mindset that it makes more sense to launch it and then slowly migrate it over. Try to slowly move it over piece by piece, but you still get like that business benefit of having something uh, that gives you more control over the internal processes that they need to have control over for like charging people and shipping stuff and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So back up a bit, Josh, are you talking about incrementally migrating out of Meteor kind of service by service?
0: yeah yeah definitely uh i think it's probably along the lines of the article that that Avi just posted which is to say like change out the pieces that you can where you can and then hopefully start to minimize the amount that you have to do all at once there's no good analogy for it i was gonna say like ripping off a band-aid but mm. you really want to set it up so that the the band aid's like soaked or something first right like i don't know that's a terrible analogy <laughs> <laughs>
2: But see, like, you know, with, with Meteor, it's, it's very hard to do that. So if you want to take it piece by piece and you kind of replace it as you want, Meteor's the one, you know, come on, come all package. So it's hard to, you know, be like, that's why I think Meteor's excellent for prototyping for the sheer fact that like, man, I, I had to do a site last year for uh, a real estate company. And basically, you know, I had to show these properties, have a login, you know, it's kind of a simple thing. But I was able to do that in a weekend, whereas like if I were to do that in C Sharp, I feel like that would have taken me maybe like three weeks. Just for the sheer fact that like I'm able to get, you know, something that I love about Meteor is their account system, man. You're able to just have login and authentication done without even thinking about it. And that's like, that's probably my favorite feature of Meteor.
0: It's a cool feature, but at the same time, it comes with its own share of problems. Like, I don't, I don't do Blaze anymore. Maybe there's a team working on it, and that's great, but it's, like, never really been that speedy for me. And, like, moving Crater, like, when Sasha redid Telescope to go from Blaze to React, like, that was a significant speed difference on the front end. Uh, And then it made it significantly easier to do SSR as well, which then is a perceived speed difference for the consumer. And so React, like, if I want to include accounts Facebook, then all of a sudden I'm getting Blaze bundled into my front end. Like, that's actually pretty terrible for a React developer. Like, we're already at this point where we're trying to minimize the amount of JavaScript you have to download before the, the client side becomes functional. And, you know, here we are, we're going to tack in like an extra half a meg or whatever. And yeah,
1: I want to uh, back up a bit and consider like if, if Meteor is something um, that you have a current investment in, there's, there's definitely uh, some question about is Meteor going to be a platform that people are choosing for new development? And if not, what are the alternatives? I'm interested in to that question. I think I've heard a few uh, frameworks thrown around and I'd like to kind of discuss what people might be starting real-time projects in to get the kind of experience that Chris just said he had where you can spend a weekend getting a real-time website. I want to know what other tools can deliver that. Now, I also have questions. I also have questions about if you have an existing investment in Meteor, how to uh, make choices. Like you said, you make a React choice instead of a Blaze choice, so that at least that part of your code base is no is not you know, dependent on the further existence of Meteor.
0: My question would be to Chris: like when you worked on that app, what did you need real time? <laughs>
2: Uh, I didn't necessarily need real time. No. So that again, that wasn't something that I needed with the app. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: I feel like that was a unique selling point. Was was, uh, yeah. You know,
1: I just gave a talk uh, on Tuesday at the local Ruby meetup where I'm, I'm selling real time a hundred percent because I think that that is the viable platform, um, to start exploring, you know as as a developer who wants to keep my skills uh, advancing and current, there's actually a lot of interesting things that once you take on the notion of having an an indefinite subscription, an observable of results, like once you take that on, letting go of that, I think starts leading to the kind of bad web user experiences that have proliferated for you know the last couple of decades
0: i don't know i mean i just i see like there are use cases where it makes sense for real time and i think there's a number of places where it doesn't make sense for real time and i feel like you're paying a heavy hosting penalty cost choosing meteor and trying to build something in the long run that works with the systems that they have available so yeah i mean
1: i just i just i spent a, a lot of time recently convincing uh, businesses and myself and people around me that like you don't in general applications don't want a point in time snapshot of data Your inventory goes to zero you want customers to be notified about it you've deployed new code push that code up from the server into people's browsers i don't see any other framework that has yeah, how many, how many
0: customers are actually guilt group, right? Like how many care about like telling you at the point you hit zero that you hit zero, like, as long as I'm protecting you from buying the product when I have none to sell, like, isn't that good enough?
1: I don't know. I guess that that, that is a call, right? Like yeah. customers yeah. still have a lot of calls to make. I can't make calls for the customers uh, and, and, and for every consultant, but I can definitely say that when I looked at the history of, of computing where you uh, assumed, like before the web, where you were you're doing sockets programming, bi-directional communication, and agency on both sides. In other words, the client is capable of initiating things and the server is capable of initiating things. To code with servers that are not capable of initiating things back to the user is a historical anomaly. And I think that we're forced into it to serve up documents at URLs, but a REST endpoint to a particular record is not a document. It is a stream of updates to that document. And to not have some kind of protocol support, for uh, getting updates on that document, I think is kind of inexcusable <laughs> at this point. I know I, I I also say that like I had to work in a non Meteor web framework, uh, just regular Express, uh, doing direct database queries and you know basically implementing REST endpoints in that. And it's it's not that it was like a terrible experience or that I couldn't do it, but it really felt like you know I wasn't able to deliver a rich experience that the server can enhance the user's experience in the context of the server. I'm not looking for solutions that roll back my real time and my customers aren't either.
0: I I guess I'm more of a, a fan of like a solution that offers you the ability to add on real time when it matters. Like mm. that's more interesting to me. Right. And that's why I think in the long term relay or apollo like adding real-time update subscription support like that's interesting or looking at phoenix and channels and like you know if things get um more interesting in that space like i think those are very very interesting things to me for the situations where i would probably care about real time yeah yeah you know that kind of
2: so uh, a product that I've used. It's an alternative. It's it's not necessarily a full alternative to Meteor, but it adds that real time functionality. It's Pusher. I don't know if you guys have ever used it, mm-hmm. but with C sharp, you know, it has like a Ruby. They have uh, React Native support. It's something that you can literally you can just see a function that like i agree with josh on the sheer fact that there's certain there's certain things that you want to be real time there's certain things that might not be beneficial real time you know if you're sacrificing performance just because you want everything to be real time you know it's you're not really utilizing you know everything that you need to be doing there so with with pusher you can see full analytics of, of everything that that is real time with your application I'm, I'm a huge fan of it i have a friend that, that works there and, and he's uh He's a huge advocate of it as well. That's why I decided to work over there. So,
1: so is it like a pub sub system where you might use a Redis? You could use a pusher?
0: Yes, yes, exactly. It's like a paid service, and you just you push your notifications to them, and then they there's a client library you install, and it'll... Yeah, you subscribe to channels. channels. Yeah.
2: Yeah, subscribe to different channels. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So I'm curious, you know, like, there might be some applications for that.
2: Yeah. And
0: again, like that's gonna come down to cost, I think, right? But then like you've got to compare the cost of that to the cost of like hosting and what is the cost to host all these yeah. people on a real time meteor server. And what is the,
1: what is the level of uh support that you get if you have like a DevOps team or whoever is ultimately gonna be operating it? They they sometimes have their opinions about how things are hosted and where things are hosted when you tell them that they're going to be hosting a meteor app and maybe they haven't even ever hosted a node app before there's a, there's a learning curve there. It hasn't been too steep, but there's, there's been some snags in that department for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like there, there's a lot of moving parts. Like, so the thing I'll say is I think, Meteor is good at a couple of things, right? And w- one of them is real time. One of them is just getting, I think what Chris was getting at was like an easy dev environment that just kind of operates. And there's even like a known deployment solution at the end. And you can point your customer to that and put it on Heroku and have them pay for it. And like, that's an easy story. Or uh, similarly with Galaxy, if that's, you know, what matters to you. You know, that, that's another piece of it, Right ease of hosting, perhaps, or known hosting, Uh, you've got easy setup for development, you've got uh, real-time support. Those are great things. And I think that they're maybe going to be hard to find or understand elsewhere, right? Like if you go look at feathers or something like that, like the story changes slightly and maybe it's not as easy, right? Because Feathers supports a whole host of backends. Uh, therefore, the scaling story is going to be a little bit different than it is for Meteor. But at the same time, I think a lot of people are just straight up turned off to Meteor because you only have Mongo.
1: Yeah. Has anyone heard, uh, followed the, uh, the, the guy in the forum is uh, Diakonu Theodore, who made something called Meteor Reddit, Redis Oplog,
2: Oh, this no, is, I haven't. yeah. Let's see, the, let's see the poster
1: though. Okay. Yeah. It, it's a supposed like a drop in for Meteor that kind of cuts off the, uh, the Oplog tailing as the source of reactivity uh-huh. and it installs a Redis. Uh, well, it assumes that there's a Redis that can be used to create channels uh, like Phoenix channels, to create topics like you would, I think, in, in Pusher, um, whatever the terminology is. Mm-hmm. So there, there is this interesting, it's only about 24 days old, but it's t- gotten a lot of activity on the forum. I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued. If performance tests, uh, once we get our performance testing set up, I certainly want to try. I'm attracted to this because it is a drop-in kind of speed up. I wonder whether it helps people get a little more comfortable saying like, oh, so, you know, reactivity doesn't have to come from mongo. I know feathers defines these notions of services mm-hmm. and like they automatically emit notifications when when they're changed and I think that maps a little bit more onto this Redis oplog implementation. So I think people are playing around with where your reactivity comes from. That it certainly might not be Mongo oplog log tailing uh, for long. I don't know.
2: You know, I, again, I haven't been following the uh, community as closely as I was earlier this year. Mm-hmm. I know I know the initial plan was to basically take Apollo and replace the meteor back in. That way everyone can have their support for any database that they want. Is that still the plan? Where where are they kind of at with
0: that? So what I'll say, because I actually brought this up in the forums the other day with Sashko, I don't understand why there hasn't been more communication around this, right? Like, I I feel like this is a failure on their part because they announced like 1.5 is going to be Apollo integration. And he came back and said like, developer, like restart speed was more important so they've been focusing on 1.4.2 and for those that maybe don't know like if you listen to this show you probably know but if you don't know like there's there's basically one guy working on a meteor at, at mdg yeah. and that's significantly slowed down speed and so if you read between the lines right like it's they're they're saying like him working on speeding up restart times has kind of shifted the focus away and i'm a little i'm a little surprised to hear that answer because I feel like if they care about Apollo in the long-term and they feel like they could shift media developers into it because it's clearly their long-term play at this point, I would think that they would offer more in the way of documentation. And like the response from Sashko is like, oh, well, people are already doing this, but no one's documented it. No one's put it out there. Like, here's how we're doing it. Here's the things we run into. Here's how, like, Apparently, there's a, uh, a repo, I haven't even looked at it, to get to work with the the login database setup with Apollo, with the, with the Meteor kind of schema. And so I, I feel like that's really kind of where they might be falling down. I don't know what all to make of that post from Sashko, but to me, like, it wasn't enough, right? Because you're, you're telling me, well, we took time to release 1.4.2, but one point four point two is out. Like we appreciate that, and that's great. But like, what's what's next? What's one point five look like? Is that a thing? Are we are we saying that's not a thing? Like, there, there's a lot. Being a more. little
1: more uh, communication about the the migration path for existing customers.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I certainly have been spending a lot of time trying to kind of hedge my bets, so to speak. Trying to ensure that you know that the largest possible fraction of our development efforts are going into code that is basically reusable across potential uh, disruptive technologies. I, I'm not trying to say that I can see the future or, or future proof it, but there's a few technologies that aren't hard coded to a product. So, like you know, I've been looking a lot at Redux because it kind of encourages your your business logic that steps you from one state to the next of your system. You know, I've been picturing like systems as these like state machines, you know, actions come in and then they either move to a new state uh, because the action was valid or they throw an exception and, you know, invest. I've been investing my learning resources in like actions, redux, react, you know, very purely functional things. But I've definitely got my eyes and ears peeled for anything that I can find out about Apollo, uh, I was in the Slack channel. I've read every Medium post. I responded to a few. Yeah, I don't feel like I could speak very intelligently at, at my company yet about Apollo, but I can speak to some of these technologies that have been uh, very easy for me to pick up and seem like a very uh, sound investment. You know, in learning that that is is not vendor lock in.
0: Sorry, like I was half listening. I I was actually like looking at this post. So it has been updated since I said something three days ago, there was a further discussion from Sashko and Thea about they're they're going to maybe write a blog post and have some examples of how to use Meteor and Apollo together. So that that's certainly good to hear. It definitely like leaves us in this weird state. And I agree. Like, we we definitely want to avoid the vendor lock-in. I think, you know, to me, uh, the biggest piece we're missing here and the piece that was supposed to be 1.5, and we talked about this a little bit before the show with, with Chris, like, I, I really think that having full NPM support would help tremendously here and what i mean by that is actually moving the libraries themselves to npm and then i can do like yarn or npm install meteor and get everything that i need and you know we've become a real <laughs> like no strings right like no longer pinocchio like no yeah. custom package system like we've we've officially joined the node community and i think that could potentially do good things for the community in the long run. But again, like a lot of that was placed on hold. And now we're hearing weird things like, you know, 1.4.2 was needed. So we took time for that. And like, there's really no need for any Apollo integration. It sounds like they really just want to do a couple blog posts and it'll be good. I just, I don't know. Like, it, just yeah. feels it feels weird because they, they took a lot of money. And I feel like they aren't talking about it a whole lot. Yeah.
1: Well, and I, I yeah, I don't know uh, what the best resources are. Hopefully, people will respond to the show with some of those things. And if anyone wants to respond to me uh, to this point, I'm curious if uh, there's going to be with, with 1.5. Is everything going to be through Apollo, or is it going to be Apollo plus the existing stack? I'll refrain from you know expressing my preference uh, for which one it is. Uh, I just kind of want to know what, what they're going to say. Again, I, I kind of feel like the existing DDP stuff is pretty good for shuttling the messages around that I think my uh, educational classroom-based collaborative application requires. I think DDP can get the messages around, and that's kind of what I've been focusing on. But, you know, I'd love to see more guidance on what the future being a Meteor developer looks like with Apollo.
2: Yeah, and something I kind of want to go back to. Uh, we were talking about patches and everything. So when I left off with um, Meteor, well, this was more more than likely last year. I was going. I don't know if you guys have heard of Mantra. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's something that I was like following pretty closely because I thought it, I thought it was super interesting to be able to have these kind of set of, of rules. Like this is the way that you do things and have more structure because you know I remember back in the day when you used to you know start a vanilla. A Meteor app, it would have no structure to it, and you know, there's all these different people doing different structures. The mantra kind of set one way, so it started getting kind of you know, I went and looked back at the mantra GitHub repo and see that there's like no activity at all.
1: Ah, yes,
2: you know, whenever whenever projects like that, you know, they take up a lot, you know, they, they get a lot of leeway towards the beginning and then they start to slow down, it's a little bit disheartening, you know, when it come back to the community when you see stuff like that happen. I know it happens all the time, but well, that, you know, the I mean, whole that's... switch from you know, npm. Or from, from atmosphere to NPM. Well, you know, atmosphere is still there. You saw all these packages that you would use that started slowly dying because of NPM support. There were alternatives and stuff. So
0: maybe this this has led to my philosophy of preferring maybe libraries over frameworks. Looking at how well React has done right or uh, Angular or I don't know, like any any number of them, right? Like you can you can argue they're all doing really great. We still have this ivory tower approach of, you know, I, I said something about the problem with uh, accounts Facebook back in July, I want to say. Like I can, I can look up the ticket and see when it was. And actually spent a lot of time doing investigation work to pinpoint where the problems existed. And that led to a conversation that happened over the next couple months. Like we only got... I want to say sometime before Thanksgiving, we finally got the approval to merge the fix for accounts Facebook. I mean, this wasn't a huge effort. The problem is like it had to be approved by Tom Coleman. You know, there was discussion with Zoltan and I think Sashko was in there. Like, it just turned into a huge thing to make a simple change to get Blaze out of my React <laughs> um, and like, I think that that just speaks to like, even though they're asking for core contributors, and everyone's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, we totally want to help," it's just not. It's still not easy because like, you're usually faced with, "Oh, we need to have some internal conversations," or you know, like, you just can't participate in the process very well. And I think that that's it's it's really interesting to watch the di- the the dichotomy between the two projects of Meteor and Apollo because. I think Apollo has taken the opposite approach. Like, let's be open. Let's let's give people the commit rights right out of the. Bu- oh
1: yeah, let's get all the GraphQL people together for a summit. Like. Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. Yeah. Again, yeah. That, that's another point that I, you know, I told them they needed to have a conference. You know, I just had the second one that was I wanted to have in San Francisco. I just had Space Camp 2.0. Like that was supposed to be. Meteor conference. And they said, no, we want to do our own. And (laughs) I said, okay, I'll I'll do like a regional one. I don't think in the long term, like they're super committed to Meteor. I think we're going to see Galaxy shift into something else. Like either Apollo is going to spin out to be its own company with a new cap table or Galaxy is going to spin out to be its own company at some point, like something's going to change. And I think that Meteor is just going to kind of get like in the split, just drop to the floor, right? Because to me, and I said this all along, like, show me a hosting company that, that's paying for framework development or even language development, right? Like, Joint I guess, did for a while, but that didn't go good places, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Engine Yard with uh, kind of Rails uh, helping out.
0: I don't know. Like, Ezra created Merb, at Engine Yard. You know, not,
1: I share, I share your doubts and like the rate of uh, the velocity with that they accept pull requests. Like let's, you know, we, we, we've definitely seen that that has been sticky at times. I mean, I think I, and last year I got at least five projects um, merged, you know, minor contributions of mine. And then I the still left-
0: maintain, like I've had more contributions accepted to rails than I have for Meteor hey. not for lack of effort. <laughs>
1: I had the one where Matar was uh, kind of described a similar thing to what I wanted. And like, we both submitted a pull request at the same time. And he actually said, Oh, you want this one? Like, I'll, I'll let you have this one. It took nine months, but I got it in. But and I don't want to be labor like that necessarily, uh, but you're right. Like the community, involvement like it sets a tone for the community and uh i do see things going well in apollo and like community uh drive so i mean i'm optimistic and sashko uh knows the live data and ddp kind of protocol i can just i can put myself in his shoes and just imagine you know after you kind of like dan abramov with react or redux uh, and react you know where he He gets something out there and it gets popular. And then he has all these thoughts in the the back of his mind. And now there's got to be a 2.0. It's got to be rebuilt from first principles, you know. And I'm sure that the first principles are going to be really good in uh, Apollo. Hopefully with the right kind of community involvement, um, it'll be easy to adopt.
2: And that's what I really like about Dan. I'm like a huge fan of him. He's always communicating nonstop. You know he's he's a huge figure just for the sheer fact that like not only did you know he make Redux but he, he constantly has blog posts out there. He always keeps people updated. He you know he's, he's hugely involved. He you know he has a few tutorials on Egghead.io. You know he's really taking advantage of uh, all of his resources, and I really do appreciate that from him.
1: Dan Abramov for president.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it could be better than the current pick, but. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, he's a really yeah wonderful communicator, and and in the end, like I've had a hard time explaining to people sometimes that like when I've invested time in Redux uh, and explaining it to people and coding up projects in there, it, it gets evaluated kind of in the same breath as like any other framework. But what it's forced me to do is p- write more of my logic in pure JavaScript functions, in functions that can be tested without mocking them and uh, etc, and that are not database dependent and that has been a godsend and the whole principle of functional core imperative shell has been pretty unpracticable for me in web applications until until now. So you know I maintain that like good architecture and uh, you know using being able to use pure functions to control each state transition that your app takes is, is a really nice way to work. And it's actually very similar to a game. I haven't done a whole lot of game development, a little bit in college, and then I like put it down to make crud apps. And like, I feel like I'm awakening from a dark you know, place of crud apps where things don't come at you. It's all client initiated, you know, and like the server has no agency. And that's, you know, that's it's not how a user gets installed into a game. In a game, things come at you. And I think that like in the web, things should, should come at you and I I need to to be able to deliver those come at you experiences. One of the things I've tried to do is invest my energy in things that are not going to easily be deprecated, right? So pure functions won't be deprecated. (laughs) Uh, Another thing that won't be
0: 2019.
1: And, you know, Josh, like I spoke at your first space camp about promises because I was like, you know, this is a technology that doesn't matter which JavaScript framework you're using, knowing about them is gonna be super valuable. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a I have a Dean's tip for what you should study next now that everybody's like mastered promises. And you wanna know what that is? Sure. What's that? Observables. Oh yeah. It's the one step up. It's the generalization of promises to multiple values. It has a lot in common with Meteor DDP subscriptions, but it's mm-hmm. slightly different. And it's the the kind of core data type that Meteor wasn't described as a system of observables, but in fact it is. Right. And uh, when you can understand that you know you're looking for, if in like in my case you need that kind of real timiness, and I know every app doesn't, then you know observables is a kind of keyword you'll want to include in your searches because increasingly it's going to become potentially part of JavaScript language, just like promise did. And it really embodies this notion of getting multiple uh, notifications from a server over time, for example, and a whole, whole bunch of other things. So that's my tip.
0: Yeah. So are you using like RxJS or what are you?
1: Yeah, I am. uh, Because it's just the, uh, you know, completest implementation. It is not the smallest in your bundle, though the the new version uh, five is better about that. Um, and if you're using Webpack, you can tree shake just the core parts that um, that your app needs. And the combinators that it offers are are really really excellent. It's like if you know you used Ruby, and you know the Ruby enumerable uh, methods are just super handy. And so you have that and more uh, coming to you courtesy of rxjs also i don't think that's a bad uh technological investment because the principles of rxjs if you look on the reactive x.io website uh, you'll see that um, reactive x is a family of technologies that is imported to python ruby dot uh, net it came from net i learned about it in the under the moniker of link when i was a c sharp developer it's been really put forth Uh, with a lot of careful planning as far as like the API uh, to be uh, adequate and complete and mathematically airtight. And so it's not a bad investment because it's a way of thinking that is portable to not only uh, other JavaScript frameworks, but other languages. So hop on
0: that. Yeah, and there's I, like there's definitely a lot of things you can look at, right? Like MobX or Redux or RxJS or and it looks like I was even just looking at MobX. They even have like an Rx. MobX interoperability package that you can install. Yep. So, I mean, you're talking about like replacing uh, Tracker and Mini Mongo to some degree, right?
1: Uh, yeah, Tracker. Um, I'm I'm uh, I'm done with Tracker <laughs> after all of my like 10 minute videos diving into its internals and 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 writing you know ways to go from Reactive Vars to Promises or Reactive Vars to Observables. Like, I'm just like you know Reactive VAR and and its ilk it's been outdone by observables, you know, like that's, that's the, that's the abstraction you guys were looking for.
0: Yep. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. To me, a lot of this boils down to, and this is why I'm, I'm maybe lean towards libraries versus frameworks at this point is that it's, it's easier for a four person team focused on RxJS or observables or MobX or whatever to outpace anything that the Meteor team could have done at its, at its height of people that it had, right? Like, it's definitely down here now. And they, they used to have a huge staff. David Scree- Greenspan, smart, smart guy. Like, that guy could sit down, put his mind to task for two weeks and, like, come out with awesome innovation and really push things forward. That was great. But at the same time, like, he can only spread around so far, you know? And so I think some of these things are just better handled by other other teams, other people, like it doesn't make sense to put all your eggs into one basket and you know, the media community built everything from the ground up and it did, it happened at a time where I think maybe you had to, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't, I don't think you could have had something as polished and easy to use as they had when they launched 1.0. If you would have just done something off the shelf, I don't know. I think it would have been, it would have been tough. And see, like, yeah.
2: that's why I think Meteor was, like you said, so successful at the beginning. Right. You're coming from a time where people were looking for that one answer that does everything for you, right? Yeah. Uh, now it's very modular. You know, you pick, you know, your MobX, you get your React, you get your backend, whatever you want to do. You know, it's very kind of siloed out, which is uh, which is different than, than the time it was back then. You know, everyone was looking for the answer. So I think Meteor... Didn't like kind of going back to you know the longevity of everything is Meteor took too long to start siloing things out and and I think they're doing a good job with Apollo. Like I said, I that's my next thing that I'm going to like learn from start to finish because I, I love GraphQL. I've used it several times. I just like the way that you can get data to the front end. You know, having the right API controller after API controller to do small different things. You know, save data. I think that. GraphQL is works excellent for it, but yeah, just kind of going back. I think Meteor was the one size fits all, fits all at the beginning; and it was good, but they didn't move quickly enough to sell everything out.
0: Yeah, I, you know, and I would say this: like, I'm gonna, I'll give a shout out to uh, Sasha here too because he is uh, working really, really hard to get a version of a Telescope out that is using um, GraphQL and Apollo. And uh replacing the meteor piece of it, I think he 's still using it as a build tool, maybe, but th- there 's no reason to say he couldn 't replace it with something like create react app, and then have Apollo on the back end and just kind of consuming that and you know he he 's done some interesting things like he's he 's got all this schema already written uh, for how Telescope functions now, so he's actually written. I think he, he's written it. Uh, someone's written it, but it's a simple schema. Uh, I think he's just using this simple schema npm package to consume the simple schema he already has, and then he's generating all the the kind of schema for GraphQL off that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that'll that'll go a long way in terms of like helping people uh, who already understand the Telescope app, like kind of convert that idea over. Chris, can I ask you, like, how you've used GraphQL a couple of times. Do you, do you feel that, you know, you get something more from it than could be uh, accomplished with, like, a couple different Meteor subscriptions, like the the, the the paradigm where you'd, like, subscribe to, like, a parent collection and then a child collection and just kind of change your subscription parameters? Like, can you help me at, like, the value uh, that you feel GraphQL delivers uh, above that?
2: Yeah, so I, I think you, you essentially could accomplish the exact same thing. What kind of felt right was being able to you know, throw a multi-tiered object at your server once it's set up and getting exactly what you want back. So I think that's, that's the difference that it, you know, if, if I need a view, I need a very, you know, very specific things, you create these relationships and everything, and you have it come back to you exactly like you want it, I think that it, it feels a lot more natural if that mm-hmm. makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And I think, you know, the other thing, and, and this is a thing that maybe you don't care about when you're launching or when you're putting out of the first iteration of a product for a client, but it kind of matters too, because if you care about scaling, like it's there, there comes a point where Mongo like isn't necessarily the right solution for everything you need in your site, right? And the promise of GraphQL is that you can change out the resolvers on the back end to work with whatever database you need, and so you could move part of your app off into Postgres if that makes sense for you you know and you can move you can have other parts in Mongo if you wanted to, so like you start to get this structure and this control over the structure that allows you to easily kind of allow the back end team to do what they need to do for what makes sense for scaling on their end. And you don't necessarily have to worry about things like versioning or changes on the front end. Like as long as they know the data they want and you figure out how to keep delivering that to them. Yeah. Well, it's
1: an an interesting, it's an interesting firewall, uh, right? Like between the uh, implementation details of how the data is provided and the one that constructs the query. So that's, you know, generally speaking, a good idea. To yeah,
0: well, I guess at that uh, at that point you're talking about like a contract between the front end and the back end, right? And like the data you want is the contract, mm. rather than being like REST API endpoint calls that change or need versioning or anything like that. Yeah,
1: know? it certainly sounds like a step in the right direction. I think that like from the when you when you zoom in to uh, a running Meteor app and you you know go to your uh, chrome dev tools and your network pane and your WebSocket and your frames and you see those individual messages going back and forth mm-hmm. like those kind of convinced me that like that's those messages themselves the wire protocol ddp is is independent of which database those things are coming from
0: it's, so, it is but at the same time like the only practical production impl- implementation of that is still mongo right
1: yeah and and there's there's definitely some quirks with it like the fact that like you 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 only sync at the level of top level fields. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that can potentially uh have impact on your either your document structure if you cave in that way or your network performance if you, you know, accept that. So, I'm sure there's room for more intelligent patching than DDP has that I'm sure GraphQL because it lets you custom fit the query that you're making. It can probably Convey those diffs in a smarter way. I'm just looking forward to getting to see some tutorials on that. Um, that that kind of really show me the the guts and not just the uh, high level benefit. If I'm not using multiple databases or or don't have a very deep query tree.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. To me, it's still a lot of overhead if you have a small project that's hitting one database and you're not like if you wouldn't create. More than one or two rest endpoints, then it might feel like a lot of overhead to create the the schema and the resolvers and like go down that entire path yeah Tom, I think you're talking about like one time kind of pain points, so um, but
1: yeah, I can think of a client though like when I was doing that node work that wasn't meteor and we were doing you know, we were doing swagger endpoints actually. Uh-huh. Oh my God, creating oh, like yeah. a, a dozen, you know, would I rather create a dozen swagger endpoints by copying and pasting config file stuff? Or would I rather like write a GraphQL resolver? I'd rather write a GraphQL yeah. resolver.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. And that's see, the latest job that I was doing. I was working uh, on coding bootcamp software uh, here in Houston and the amount of API, you know, different API calls we had to make that were just you know some a lot of them were similar a lot of you know and just having to do that was so repetitive like you said i was copying and pasting constantly and i would be like man if i could just do this one time and then be able to you know create relationships and everything i would go through that pain instead of having to write all these small different crud uh calls it was ridiculous yeah
0: i'm feeling a consensus here that maybe the data layer makes sense elsewhere I mean, would you guys agree with that Elsewhere outside of what? Meteor. Like not, not, <laughs> yeah. not being live query, not being Mongo and like their entire stack.
1: I mean, I'll just say that there, there are a lot of options, right? So yeah. there, there, there's that option. There's this, uh, you know, Redis oplog option that's emerging. That's kind of a, you know, bleeding edge thing, but you can try that. There's definitely Apollo, which has a lot of backing and community support. So, you know, as far as that, like, you know, what's your plan B and C? Like you have them. You have them.:
0: Yeah: So I think the other piece is the build tool, right? And I don't think anyone would argue that meteor has a great build tool.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what I uh, here, Here's one of the investigations that, that uh, was really a journey for me, so I wrote I was fond of meteor packages. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wrote a a thing called a a package generator, a package boilerplate generator that was like reactive and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, this is how I'm going to deliver my assets. And then You know, NPM integration was coming along and I'm like, well, why do that? Unless I, if I write an NPM module, it, you know, just has to take in a few variables, the dependencies injected, and then I can keep it in NPM and feel, you know, less, you know, locked into a foreign ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at NPM generators and sure enough, Aeronoda and Kadira had published an NPM boilerplate generator. Then um, I was using that for a couple of things, but then I just went back to YaoMan Yeoman, which I hadn't used for two years. But sure enough, they have a really sophisticated, you know, write a ES6 uh, based. Um, NPM library with all the bells and whistles of linting and testing and and uh, the tests ran right away which was refreshing my Meteor tests are a disaster mm-hmm. they still don't perform as quickly or as predictably as I require a test suite to run and this NPM, uh, write your own NPM library boilerplate uh, it's called Generator Babel Boilerplate I believe it uses Webpack to build and run your tests it uses Mocha and uh, it just, it just friggin works. You open up test and you don't even have to run a, a server other than webpack to continually lint and test your code. And that experience as a library developer, like you ask me, do I want to invest my time putting my stuff in atmosphere or on NPM? Well, that's a clear answer. Even if I'm going to continue to use Meteor, I want to invest my time writing libraries for NPM. And, you know, the solutions... You know, it's just a story of my moving farther and farther from what the Meteor core team offers to, to looking to then Aeronoda and then looking to, you know, the general JavaScript community. And who who's the winner? Well, it's the largest pool, right, Josh? Mm-hmm. Like it is.
0: The- it is. I'm very much of that opinion, right? Because if you look, like still to this day, I think there's more... Articles, more thought share, more books about RSpec versus any other testing framework in the Rails community, and they ultimately had slightly better tooling, but only because they were out there, like grabbing that mind share and getting people to contribute and welcoming that contribution in a way that the community moved forward with hopefully better code, right? And so I'm definitely of that mindset and. Mm -hmm. I gave a, a very similar talk to what you're saying when I was in um, New York at uh, meteor camp NYC, which was, you know, now's the time embrace, embrace node, embrace NPM ecosystem, like get your dependencies from there. Use react router. Don't use flow router. Right. Because I mean, like I had the conversation there and uh, with Aaron Noda privately and he said, yeah, I don't, Think we're going to update Flow Router anymore?
1: Yeah, and Chris mentioned the Mantra uh, solution um, mm-hmm. also looking a little old and and uh, and uh, left. I could call it abandonware, but it's really just like left to the community to decide if anybody wants to maintain it. You know,
0: right? And and I appreciate that he came out and said like, "Hey, someone take over this." But at the same time, like, I think the practicality of that when you let a community kind of wither on the vine is 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 less and less likely for someone to step up and kind of become that into that leader role. You know, like, yeah. I think that there were a number of people that would have been. Super interested uh, in regards to Meteor and helping out and taking over in a, a leadership role, probably a year ago, even two years ago, and they could have involved the community a lot more now. And that's where I feel a lot of that ivory tower stuff comes in. Um, it's it's hard because you want to see Meteor kind of like hug all the latest and greatest things, like ah yes, we're a big happy community. Um, but at the same time, like you do have this established community of people that have an application and they don't necessarily want to see breaking changes come out. This kind of goes back to 1.3 as well. Like that, that should have been Meteor 2.0 in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was such a, a huge departure from how we made applications like before and after. And uh, it was big. Um, I, just a,
1: I just had a guilty pleasure uh, week where I wrote a bunch of code in Lib like the old days, I used imports between them, which was nice. I was so overwhelmed by trying to keep up with like, you know, fast forwarding my logic from the first meteor app I made in 0.9, that chessboard thing that I've presented on. And then getting that thing up to 1.4.2, I had so many decisions to make along the way. And then I said, Hey, I wonder if lib still works. And yeah, yeah,
0: (laughs) for now. Um, And we'll see like if, if, Like, lib should break if we get things like tree shaking and code splitting and that kind of thing. And it should break, right? Like, I think it's probably the wrong decision to auto-load everything. I think the imports folder was a terrible punt, but it was a punt because you have all these, at this point, you call them legacy applications, right? And that's the same reason we don't have Webpack in Meteor today as a quick build tool is because, like, you got to support all these applications over here, and even though there's new ones over here that want to be built, like I think you start to get into this, like it's it's really hard for you to innovate and move forward as you have a lot of code. Like it takes a lot of effort. And at this point, we've reduced the team to one, and therefore, you know, I'm much more interested in things like create React app, React app or and that is a hard thing to say. If I was, create React app. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: if you say it, Next really. Js Fast, it sounds like crap. Um, <laughs> <React. laughs> uh, But so, so don't drop any of those letters. Oh, next Next.js, Ex- explain a little bit about that. And, and, and Feathers, too, if you've heard about that, Josh.
0: Feathers, Feathers is probably closer to uh, Meteor as it stands right now in the fact that uh, they have a bunch of integration points in the back end, and then you can create services in the they're, they're just basically pushing the data out. And then they have a library similar to Mini Mongo and Tracker on the front end that's reactive. And so then you can use something like React or Angular on the front end. So you, you're really just getting like that that bridge and that back end. So they're just kind of providing harnesses, but they've got a lot of them, right? And so that's kind of interesting. Um, I've actually been working on... Uh, The next crater conf and eric uh krisky from feathers is going to give a talk on Mm. building an an api in 30 minutes yeah a good api in 30 minutes
1: meaning real time and rest
0: uh yeah yeah i think so yeah i mean that's that's
1: where i think you know things should go rest should be a a, an edge case of real time um where you're just not interested (laughs)
2: Yeah, with with feathers though, I did a video <laughs> over feathers actually about yeah. back in March. I don't know if you ever saw it, but I yeah, know. the the fact that you can get APIs up and running that fast with feathers is awesome, and you still have the uh, the real time. with That's it. So. Awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. It's very very intriguing to me. I still think like it's one of uh, the interview with the feathers team is one of the biggest traffic generators on my youtube channel which i mean if you think about it i have how many meteor videos and like that one still drives in more traffic than some of the meteor videos that's that's maybe another piece i've used to gauge this like i decided october of last year to move away from meteor uh slowly but surely positioning things and that's why you know, Craters' tagline started to change, and like I've, I've been slowly converting from Meteor JS Club to Space Dojo and those kinds of things because I knew like the longevity of Meteor, like I could see it start to trend off in Google. So, yeah, I've definitely been thinking about this a lot. Uh, well, I did think about it a lot, but um, the other one that I mentioned, Next.js, is kind of interesting. It's probably more along the lines of create React app. In the fact that it's it's more of the front end uh, when you install it, it does it comes with its own router, which has been interesting, and it's generating uh, it's universal. So in that aspect, it's a little bit closer to Meteor. You just have to make sure there's a, a call that you start uh, when your React app is mounting up, and you want to eject initial props. Initial. Um. So as long as you uh, put your data fetching and in get initial props, it will run your get initial props on the server and then build your component and then send it down as HTML uh, for the page in question. So it's it's doing SSR by default, and uh, as long as everything's packaged into that get initial props, then it'll it'll run right there. And, and deliver the data with it. The other upside is with using it, it can detect when links um, are on the page and it will use a service worker and go prefetch the data for the links on the page uh, so that it's ready to go. When you click that link, it should be like that, you know? Nice. So yeah, I think that's a big piece of it that gets interesting as well. I think the thing that that is maybe weird at this point is like you do have to map your routes to like actual pages underneath so like if i want a page i need to create it in the pages folder and that's how the router works i don't know that you could i haven't tried it yet but um i don't know if you can have dynamic routes necessarily right now but that is something that's on their list to work on and i think that's a big piece that like once it's done it'll it'll be a big thing and like it'll be It'll make Next.js way more useful in my mind. I'm just now
2: hearing about Next.js. So is this gaining? Yeah, a lot of a lot of traction. Do you see? You kind of see. I they, see. They, I
0: see other people talking about it. Like I, I spent a day and imported uh from. Uh, it was just static HTML, and I was using uh, Jekyll and GitHub pages to host that thing. And the problem I had, like, and this is maybe going to be the laziest thing I say, but I I hate editing HTML. Like it's not my favorite thing, especially (laughs) just like straight HTML. And when it's like repetitive, like that's annoying to me. Uh, Maybe that's the most programmery thing I can say. (laughs) So I ended up spending time like porting it to next so that I could just create a JavaScript object that, I would hand to the page and like anytime I want to create a new conference, I just fill out this JavaScript object with the relevant info and, you know, create a new page and tell it to import that object and I'm done, you know, like it, it just works and it's server side rendered and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's nice. And I think that it's unopinionated on what the back end is, right? Like you could, yeah. you could bring in, um, observables and, uh, I think RxJS works easily with Falcor, Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so you could use something like Falcor on the back end if that made sense. You could use Apollo. I know I think Sashko's had a conversation with the next team, maybe. I'm very, very interested in that. So that that's where my head's at right now. Like I'm looking at GraphQL and Next.js and kind of paying attention to the issue trackers. And if if they can tweak the router to work the way that I need it to work, then I'm gonna be super excited about. Um, using it for a lot more things. And it comes with Webpack under the cover. So I don't even have to worry about messing with Webpack. It just kind of works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the uh, the the build tool stuff that you can get with a uh, Webpack, like when I was writing that standalone NPM module, I didn't even think about my test suite or the fact that the test testing and stuff was written in Gulp. I've never written gulp before. But again, I was just the library author, like writing tests and watching them pass reactively in hundreds of a second, which is nice, versus like you know the rebuild times and stuff. So there's just a lot, a lot of uh, things have moved on definitely since like the 1.0 days, where that fight for mindshare is uh, is an interesting one. It's been a good hour already, huh?
0: Yeah. I think we should definitely call it here. All right. I don't want to go beyond that, but uh, this has been an interesting talk. I think my, I guess, advice to people is probably along the lines of Avi's post, which is find ways to minimize your reliance on Meteor itself and try to embrace the ecosystem at large just slowly replace the things that you can where you can if if you have an existing app right, and like that's the biggest question that I get a lot is just should I move off meteor well i that's more of a business question than it is a technology question in my opinion like if your business is running and profitable and not suffering problems because of meteor like absolutely you should not move off of media right now it's not broken it's not. Uh, impossible to make changes to it. It's not like it all still works the same way it did. You know, you can roll back to 1.0 if that made you happy, uh, or go back to 1.2. Those are totally options that work fine. And if it's functioning, then great. But I think at some point you'll hit problems. And I think there's gonna be less and less people around to help you with those problems.
2: So and yeah, adding, adding to that, I think again, uh, a lot of people get caught up in the technology, like you just said, um, there's a time and place for Meteor. For instance, I'm having a friend come over this weekend, and we're going to be working on an app, and we're probably going to be using Meteor just because, again, it's fast. It's it's like an easy way to go. But hey, if I'm going to write banking software, I'm probably not going to use Meteor for that. You know, if I'm going to write, you know, some some really security you know needed application that that like like I just said, banking software, I'm not going to use Meteor for that, but. Hey, for a prototype, for, for something that, that needs to be done quickly and fast and, and needs that response, that, that uh, real-time functionality, I'm definitely going to use Meteor. So but definitely look at, look at um, what problem you have and pick the best technology for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that.
1: And uh, just to say my, my final uh, advice is that the, the three, three areas to invest some research in, um, the distributed logs... Um, systems that communicate by sharing a distributed log, append only systems. I'll I'll have some links on that. Uh, Looking at uh, putting more of your code in pure JavaScript functions for the win and observables for the win.
0: Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks guys for coming on and taking the time to chat. You know what I think I'm going to do is actually put this, uh, put this out twice. We'll put this out as a space dojo show as well. Um, so it'll okay, go to both feeds, so everybody gets to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, thanks, Josh. Yeah, all right, guys. Uh, tune in. I think maybe we'll have one more show. Uh, I gotta talk to Ben uh, Duguid and see if he's available next week, maybe. But uh, tune in next time, guys, and we'll we'll have another news-filled show next time. All right, thanks. This has been a Space Dojo production. You can find out more information about Space Dojo at spacedojo.com. It's easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. That's S P A C E D O J O.com.